uh, our way slowly through. Um, just like davening, that's not supposed to be in a rush, so we're not in a rush when we're <laughs> learning about davening. Um, and we are in a very special place in davening now. We're beginning the section called Birchas Kriyashma. Um, and those who have the sitter that's the same as I, which looks like most people around the table, not all, it's on page 42, where we finish the Yishtabach, and then there's a Kaddish and Barchu, and then we start with the Birchas Kriyashma. Um, just very quickly, background, something we've mentioned a number of times, but just to get the general picture of bearing, the davening is, as we said so many times, from the Zayar, a ladder, and it's, we're, as we daven, we're trying to move upward on that ladder. Um, and of course, the more one is able to experience davening, the more one is able to experience the actual upward movement, so to speak, that's taking place as we daven. The Zayar says that that davening has four base, that ladder has four basic rungs, four basic steps to davening. Um, the first basic step is until Baruch Sha'omar. Anything that happens in the Siddur until that point, which really includes the Brachas and the uh, Donolam and the Akedah and the Karbanos, but primarily then you have Hoidu. All of that is what's called the first step or the first rung of the ladder. Um, the second rung is Psuke de Zimra, which we spent a lot of time on the last number of months. And that is, starts with the Bracha of Baruch Sha'omar. It has all of you know, the Ashrei and the before and the after, the end of Tehillim, the Shiras, uh, has, uh, Shiras Az Yashir, and it concludes with Yishtabach. Yishtabach is the end bracha of Psuki de Zimra. All of that is the second rung of the ladder, literally Psuki de Zimra, the Psukim of Song. The third step of the ladder is already more significant as far as mitzvahs are concerned, and this is the Kriyashma, sandwiched between in the Birchos Kriyashma the brachos that precede and the bracha of after, which we're, that's what we're going to be focusing on in the next couple of weeks. That is the third rung of the ladder, Kriyashma and its brachos. Um, Kriyashma is actually a Torah commandment for a man to say it every morning and night. Um, and for a woman, it's not a commandment because it's Zman Grama, it's connected to time. But nevertheless, it's central. It's Kabbalah's Al Malchus Shemayim. It's definitely one of the center focal points of davening is the Kriyashma, again, with the bracha, brachos before and bracha afterward. And the fourth and final rung of the ladder is Shmona Esrei. That's the highest rung of the ladder. That's where we come, so to speak, to stand before Hashem Himself. And that's why Shmona Esrei is always said standing, it's always said silently, there's no anything else going on, there's no answering things. No, Shmona Esrei is, is the high point of davening, um, and that is the fourth and highest rung of the ladder. Then there's after the Shmona Esrei, which is already coming down the ladder, so to speak. And that's somewhere in the future. We'll get to that in your session as well. Um, um, these four rungs of the ladder are connected with the four spiritual worlds, which is, again, basic Kabbalah and Hasidus, that is four basic spiritual worlds, um, starting from the bottom, the world of Asiya, of action, working itself up to the world of Yitzira, which is formation, Bria, creation, and Atsilus, emanation, which is a world of godliness. And the four sections of davening correspond to the four worlds. So that again, really, one who's really Kabbalistically in tune and knows or is able to feel what's going on, we're talking about Sadiqim, actually are traveling upward through those worlds as the davening is going on. Um, in fact, some Sidurim, not this Chabad Sidur, not the Sidur that we have, but especially some Sephardic Sidurim that are very Kabbalistically oriented, will have on the top of the page which world this part of davening is connected to Shar HaAtzilos, Shar HaBriya, Shar HaYesira, Shar And again, it's not in our Siddur for reasons that I don't know. Um, perhaps because we don't need to have it in our Siddur. We feel it. We're there, right? <laughs> right. So, <laughs> you know, some people are, just a question of am I in the world of consciousness or not? That's a different question. But, but in, 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 in earnest, what's really going on in davening and the, da- the parts of davening Every part is full, as a little bit we're seeing in these classes, full of so much meaning and so much ideas that correspond to the place that this is taking on. So, but zooming back into where, what we're going to be looking at, we're looking at the section of the brachas of Kriyashma and Kriyashma. Um, interestingly, um, I'm sure we've mentioned, how many brachas are there for Kriyashma? So we have the Kriyashma that's said in Shachris, and then there's the Kriyashma that's said in Mairith. 
that women are, are exempt from, definitely not, um, definitely not required to when it comes to Mayriv. Just to clarify that, Mayriv really for everyone was initially um, a, um, a voluntary tefillah. When the rabbis instituted the three tefillahs of the day, and I'm talking about the, the men of the great assembly, Ezra and his Bezdin, so initially there was two tefillahs that were instituted as mandatory, and that was Shachris and Mincha, corresponding to the two mandatory karbanos in the Beis HaMiktosh daily. And then there was Mayrith. Mayrith was initially instituted as a voluntary prayer, as something that's voluntary. That's how Mayrith was instituted, and that's how it was. Which Yaakov Avina. Yaakov. But that, that was before mandatory Bechlau, right. But Yaakov initially was, uh, I'm sorry, Mayrith was initially voluntary. And then the Gemara tells us that the men accepted it upon themselves as a chiv, as an obligation. So therefore, for men, that became a chiv. Um, just like you have a, a concept of a, when a person makes, takes a neder, makes, takes an oath, that becomes for that person an obligation. There's something called a communal neder. If a community or any type of community gets together, makes a neder, that becomes something that becomes um, mandatory for everyone who's part of that. So here we have an interesting type of a concept that men, as a rule, accepted upon themselves myriv. So if nowadays you have a man who says, you know, I'm too tired, myriv, I have no time for it, it's only voluntary. It's not true anymore, because it became a chiyuv generally for men. But for women, it remains as it was initially, which is a voluntary prayer, and therefore I'm sure... As you know, there are women who do, women who don't, very firm women either way, because it, halachically it is a 100% voluntary prayer for women. Be that as it may, there is Kriya Shema in Shachris and there's Kriya Shema in Mayrit. You'll note that there's no Kriya Shema in Mincha. That Mincha is Ashrei and Shmon Ashrei, there's no Kriya Shema, there's, because there's no reason for Kriya Shema in Mincha. The mitzvah of Kriya Shema is, as we say in the morning, um, as we say in the Kriya Shema itself, when you go to sleep, when you wake up. So there's a mitzvah of Kriya Shema by night and a mitzvah of Kriya Shema in the morning. That's the two times that there is that mitzvah. Now, both times there are brachos that were instituted before and after Kriya Shema. How many brachos? How many are before and how many are after? So, Shachris and Mayriv are different. In Shachris, there is two brachas before Kriya Shema and one bracha after. We've, we've, we've uh, found that in our Siddur before. Right after Rishabach, Baruch Hashem, that's the first bracha on page 42, which finishes on page 44, Baruch Hashem, Yotzer HaMa'oros. It's a long bracha, like two pages. The, the first bracha before Kriya Shema starts, again, on page 42, Baruch Hashem, Lakinem HaLacholam, Yotzer Oruvoruchoshech. That's the beginning of the first bracha of Kriya Shema. And it goes for two long pages until the end of page 44, Baruch Atah Hashem Yotzer HaMa'oros. That's the first bracha before Kriya Shema. The second bracha starts immediately thereafter, Ahavas Olam Ahavtanu. It starts without a Baruch, but it's a bracha, and finishes a page later, on the end of page 45, Baruch Atah Hashem HaBocher Ba'amo Yisrael Ba'ahavah. That Hashem who chose His nation, the Jewish people, with love. That's the end of the second bracha before Kriya Shema. Um, an interesting bracha rule is that when a bracha immediately follows another, it typically will not start with Baruch HaTah Hashem. And this is an example. Right? Because the first bracha started with Baruch HaTah Hashem and ended with Baruch HaTah Hashem, the second just starts, Ahavas Olam Aftanu. There's no new Baruch HaTah Hashem. And it finishes with Baruch HaTashem. That is typical. Well, how do you know it's a bracha then? Um, because that's how it was instituted. You know because it ends with Baruch HaTashem. It would have started with a Baruch HaTah if it would not be immediately after another. But it, when it's, so to speak, piggybacked on another, so the Baruch HaTashem of the, of the beginning just carries through. The same thing happens in Shemona Esrei. Right? Shemona Esrei is 18 brachos long. There's only one Baruch HaTah at the beginning. No, this is, basic, this is basic how brachas work. Yeah. Whenever brachas you do, a few of them successive. So after the first one, they won't start with Baruch Hashem. They'll only end with Baruch Hashem. Again, we have it in the Shemona Esrei. We have it in Benching. Mm-hmm. Right? The first one starts Baruch Hashem. All the others just start No Delacha, right? Valakol. They don't start with new Baruch Hashem. Um, 
So I remember learning, and if this is the same thing, that um, before you say tefillah saderach, say a bracha, so that's the same thing? Same idea, yeah. Same that's, same not, that's not a chiyuv, but that's a good minha. If you can. It's the same thing. Same idea. Same, same, same idea. Thing. Exactly. So that it becomes piggybacked with another bracha, which covers for that baruch Hashem. But there, that's not mandatory. That's not, that's not mandatory, but it's a nice minute that if you can eat something, whatever, you make a bracha. And especially by us, we always try to eat something extra. So um, it's always a good thing. But, um, you know, just a, a little mazayna something, you know. Anyhow, so, but, but that's the way with brachas in general. So, here we have again, the first Baruch Baruch HaTashem till Yotzer HaMoros, the second Ahavas Olam till Baruch HaTashem HaBocher Ba'am Yisrael Bi'ava. Those are the two brachas before Kriyashma. Then we have the three sections of Kriyashma. That's the actual center of the mitzvah. The Shema is section one. V'hoyam Shema section two. V'yomer section three. Right? Kriyashma really finishes by Ani Hashem Elokeichem. If you're looking in your in your sitter on page 48, the third section of Kriyashma finishes with Ani Hashem Elokeichem, and then we go immediately into the after bracha of Kriyashma, which begins with that word Emes. Now, what we do is we always say Hashem Elokeichem Emes. We say it straight in, which we'll talk about perhaps when we get there. But still, really, it's Ani Hashem Elokeichem is the end of the parsha. And that's the end of the third section of Kriyashma. Emes v'yasi v'nachon is the after bracha of Kriyashma, which finishes right before Shemona Esrei, Baruch Hashem Go'al Yisrael. So how many brachos were there for Kriyashma? Three. Right? The last words before Shemona Esrei, on page 50, Baruch Hashem Go'al Yisrael. Okay? So that's the end of the third bracha of Kriyashma, two before, one after. Good? Good. If you want to flip a minute to Myriv, which is on page 106, if you're following again in this sitter, which again, I, I apologize, is not all the sitter, but, but most people, it's on 106 you have Myriv. In Myriv you also have a Kriyashma, and it's also sandwiched with brachas. The brachas are shorter, significantly. Let's give a look. On page 106, you have, again, you have the Baruchu, close to the bottom, about seven or eight lines before the end of page 106. I'm sorry? No, no, no. In the one with English, it's 119. Okay, okay. Um, so four lines from the bottom. Baruch atah Hashem alokeinu malach olam asher bidvaro ma'ari varovim. That's the beginning of the first bracha. Okay? It's about 10 or 12 lines long. Baruch atah Hashem ha'ma'ari varovim. That's the first bracha of Kriyashma, the first bracha before Kriyashma, during the Mayrith. Then in the middle of page 107, you have, but, you know, eight or nine lines, again, two brachas before Kriyashma. Then we'll have the Kriyashma. Kriyashma doesn't change. It's the same three sections, the Shema, V'hoyom Shema, V'yomer. And then, we begin with MS again. MS Ve'amuna is the first bracha after Kriyashma, which ends on the end of page 109. Baruch Atah Hashem Go'al Yisrael. Okay? If you turn to page 110, Hashkivenu Avinu Leshalom is another bracha. And that ends, it's one paragraph long, Baruch Atah Hashem, Shomeris Amo Yisrael Lo'ad. So how many Kriyashma brachos are there by Mayriv? Four. Two before and two after. Okay? So by the Kriyashma of the morning, there's two before and one after. And by the Shmonastery of Mayriv, there's two before and two after, albeit they're all shorter. The Mayriv is a lot shorter because the brachos are a lot shorter. But there's four there and three in the morning. Interesting, as in all of these brachas, they were instituted by those who wrote the Shmon Esrei and all the brachas we always mention, the Anshik Nessus, Agdola, Ezra, and Nehemiah, and their Bezdin, who were prophets, and said the tremendous Sadiqim, one by one. Uh, some of them were part of the writers of Tanakh, who wrote part of some of the books of the prophets. 
Um, but they instituted brachas, all of them kabbalistically, all of them with tremendous meaning. And here they chose to, to create seven brachas for Kriyashma. And they said an interesting hint from Tehillim for those seven brachas of Kriyashma. And that is a pasuk in chapter 119 of Tehillim. What's unique about, the, about chapter 119? It's very, very long. It's, very, very long. <laughs> <laughs> it's by far the longest of chapters. Kufyutes. And it is, it goes by the olive base, and there's eight verses for every letter of the olive base. Right? So there's 22 letters in the olive base. 22 times 8 is a lot. More than one day is Yeah, but people, they say people's names according to that. Right, 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 right. So I believe it's, it's 176 psukit. And I don't necessarily know that because of the mathematics. Just I have a tehillim open in front of me, and the last one is kuf ayin vav, which is one seventy six. Okay, um, and verse number one sixty four says sheva bayom hilalticha. Seven times a day, I express your praises al mishpete tzidkecha for your righteous judgment and. The men of the Great Assembly, for some reason, connected this pasuk with the seven brachas of Kriyashma. So they, they created throughout the day, again, Kriyashma is a, is a Torah mitzvah, and we say it in the morning, we say it by night, and they created these seven brachas based on this verse, Sheva Hayom Hilalticha, seven times a day. I expressed that special halil, that special hilul, and for reasons that I don't know if it's explained to us, they saw in that pasuk specifically, the source for the seven brachas of Kriyasma that they were going to create. Okay. Having said that, it's very clear that these brachas of Kriyasma are very different than regular brachas that we're used to for mitzvahs. Right? We have a general concept, um, we've talked about it, that there's different types of brachas. We have really three different categories of brachas. All of the brachas that we make fall into one of three categories. One category is birchas hanehenim, the brachas that we make for pleasures that we have. What's the most common of those brachas? Food brachas. Food brachas. Every time we we appreciate when we take a cup of water or take something to eat or a bench, that's birchas hanehenim. A little broader, it's also a good fragrance we make a bracha on. Um, these are birchas hanehenim. Then there are birchos hashevach, which are brachas to praise Hashem. Not necessarily because I just had Hanoah, just because I, I, I pleasure, but brachas about praising Hashem for His greatness. Like davening brachas, like Baruch Sha'amar, is a bracha of shevach, of praise. Or um, if it's thundering and lightning, and we make a bracha for the thunder and lightning. Right? Um, Asher Yotzer. These are not brachas because of something that I'm going to partake of. These are shevach, praise for Hashem's greatness. Those are brachas Hashem. The third great category of brachas are birchos ha-mitzvahs. The bracha on a mitzvah that we perform. Really, almost any mitzvah that we perform has a bracha. Right? If we're going to wash our hands, al-natilas yadayim. If we're going to, I don't know, put a lulav, so al-natilas lulav. Hearing a shofar, hearing a megillah, um, eating matzah, lighting a candle, making kiddush, those are all birchos ha-mitzvahs. Now, Birchos Kriyashma would seem to be Birchos Mitzvah. Birchos HaMitzvah. Because it's a mitzvah to say Kriyashma. So we make a bracha before saying Kriyashma. So really, in the category, it's part of Birchos HaMitzvah. But it's very different than all the other Birchos HaMitzvahs that we have. Because all other Birchos HaMitzvahs are pretty plain and simple. Baruch HaTah Hashem, Elokeinu Malach, Vamasher, Kiddushanu, Bimsos, Vesivanu, Al, fill it in. Netilas Yadayim, Malakas Ner Shabbos, Achilas Matzah, Netilas Lulav, right, you name it. So a bracha of a mitzvah is typically, thank you Hashem for giving me this mitzvah, done. That's birchas a mitzvah. Here, first of all, each bracha is about a page long. So they got a little lost when they were writing. You know? <laughs> but also, it doesn't say anywhere in the brachas, Al Kriyashma. It doesn't even, it miss, it's even missing the basic phrase of all birchas a mitzvah. So they're unusual brachas. They're, on the one hand, they were brachas that were instituted in relationship to doing a mitzvah. But on the other hand, they're, they're just long-winded brachas that are saying a lot of beautiful stuff, 
But where's the Birchas HaMitzvah? So really, from a Talmudic perspective, this is an issue. And one of the greatest, um, one of the greatest commentators to the Talmud who's, um, is the Rashba. The Rashba lived some, I would say, about 700 to 800 years ago. And one of the great uh, geniuses of, of Torah, he wrote commentary on many of the tractates of the Talmud and many, many halachic responsa. The Rashba is actually an acronym, like most names of middle, medieval sages. Uh, Rambam is an acronym, Ramban is an acronym. So, so is Rashba. Anyone knows what the Rashba stands for? Rabbi Shimon something? Close. Rabbi Shimon something? Closer. <laughs> Rabbi Shlomo Ben Aderet. So his name was Rabbi Shlomo Ben Aderet. And interestingly, I know a person, um, about Shuva from West Bloomfield, from Michigan, where my parents live, whose name is Avi Ben Aderet, and he's a direct descendant from the Rashba. His father is Shlomo, so he's Shlomo Ben Aderet, which is the Rashba's name, and they trace themselves exactly all the way until the Rashba. Aderet okay. is a man's name? It could be at some point it was. I don't. I've never heard of man. Smart, of course. Is that how he found his name? Like because it's you know inverted with each generation or not? I don't know. That's what they do. Could be. Could be. I don't know. I don't know. Um, definitely Spartan. Rashba was from Spartan, of course. Um, whatever. Be that as it may, the Rashba is for sure from the most basic commentators. There probably doesn't go by a day that I teach in yeshiva and gemara that I don't talk about the Rashba. Something the Rashba taught. It's after Rashi and Tosos, when it comes to Gemara, he's right up there. So the Rashba, in his commentary, discusses this question. He says, what's the story with Birchas Kriyashna? Such a... Aleph. Aleph. Aleph, Dalet, Reishtar. Were you just saying that it's a Sheva? You know how you said that there's three kinds of Rabbas? Yeah, but I could say that, but it was really called Birchas Kriyashna. And Kriyashna is a mitzvah, so it's the bracha for Kriyashna. So... In a certain, you know, the, the Anshik Nasus Agdola knew what they were doing, and that's, that's the way they made these brothers, so that's just the way it is. It, you know, but for us, why it is that way, it's not perfectly clear. Mm-hmm. The Altarebbe in Tanya talks about it. Very interesting, when I brought along the Tanya, because I wanted to read a piece of Tanya before we, read, before we learn about Birchaz Kriyashima. Um, so, in Tanya, this is in the Mems, in the, in the 40s, specifically... Specifically, I was looking at. No, what happened? I thought I had my page open at the right place. Um, should be in chapter forty-eight, right? I'm sorry, chapter forty-nine. In chapter forty-nine in Tanya, so the Alter Rebbe talks about that we in Kriyashma is Kriyashma is not just another mitzvah. Saying Kriyashma in the morning. Krishna is the time when we are do Kabbalah's Ol Malchus Shemayim, when we say Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad is really when we're accepting upon ourselves. It's the most unique part of davening, accepting upon ourselves the yoke of Hashem, and the primary mitzvah of Ahavas Hashem, the Ahavas Hashem Elokecha B'Chol That's how we start Krishna to love Hashem with all of our heart and all of our soul and everything. Um, so Krishna is very central as far as far as what we're trying to accomplish. So the Alter Rebbe explains the brachas of Kriyashma wasn't just like the bracha of every mitzvah, which is like, thank you, Hashem, for giving me the mitzvah, which is special in itself. But these brachas are meant to help us actually be able to fulfill the mitzvah. In other words, they're a lead-up. They're a lead-up, an emotional and intellectual lead-up that are helping us to think about these concepts that should help us be able to properly accept Malchus Shemayim in Kriyashma, and to properly awaken Avas Hashem, love for Hashem in Kriyashma. So that's why they weren't like terse one-liner brachas. They're brachas that talk about ideas that, that are meant to have us thinking and reflecting on the ideas that we're saying in these brachas in order to properly fulfill the mitzvah of Kriyashma, which is not just about reading words, but about evoking feelings. And that's what he says. If you don't, I'm going to read this a couple of words. I want to see the way the author ever says it from chapter 49. He says, Ubaze Yuvan. He says, With this we'll understand Tuftam, we'll understand well the reasoning, the logic. For the institution of the Chachamim, Shetiknu Birchas Kriyashma, that they instituted the Brachas of Kriyashma, Shtayim Lefanea, two before, etc. Dilechaora, the Chora means, because seemingly, 
Seemingly, these brachas are like totally out of whack. What does it do with Kriyashma? We're going to say Kriyashma. Why are we talking about these brachas? Kimosha Kasuf Rashba. Like the Rashba writes, Vishar Poskim and other Poskim, other, other Allahic authorities, that these brachas are somewhat out of the ordinary as far as regular brachas of mitzvah. So, Vilama Kara Osam Birchas Kriyashma. Now, okay, if they wanted to make Birchas Hashavach, that's fine. Why did they call them Birchas Kriyashma? Vilama Tiknu Osam Lefaneha Dafka. If you want to make these brachas, they're beautiful brachas. Why are they right before Kriyashma? Ella says, what must it be? Mushum she'ikir kriyashma. The main part of kriyashma is l'kayim b'chol levavcha. To fulfill what we say in the first passage of kriyashma, to love Hashem with all our hearts. B'shnei yotzrecha. Right? Because Chazal say that the, really in the words of kriyashma, the word is v'ahavtas Hashem, love Hashem b'chol levavcha. But grammatically, it should say b'chol libcha. But really... I believe scientifically we only have one heart. I'm not a doctor. You have four but... chambers, though. We have four chambers. Uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, you know, there's always children who are a little bit, you know, have an interest in good imagination. I remember a child in camp, in the bunk, he was telling the counselor that I can't play baseball now. He says, why? He says, I feel like I'm having a heart attack. He says, can you describe it to me? He says, yeah. In one heart, it's hurting, it's coming up and down into my other heart. He was <laughs> describing the whole thing. Both, both hearts were going at the same time. <laughs> he must know Bechol But the point is, so we're trying to awaken Tashem this Ava Bechol So, Ve'ech, I'm, I'm skipping lines here. Ve'ech Yava Ha'adam Ha'chumri Lamidazu. A person is a very physical person. We're very regular people. How can we try to pick ourselves up to have that type of a love for Hashem, but with both with both of our both compartments of our heart, whether the Yitzhar Tov Yitzhar Hara? Lakach sidru tchila birchas yotzer or. That's why they said they didn't say just say Kriyashma. They gave us these brachos because these brachos are supposed to give us the basic blueprint of how to come to Ahavas Hashem and. And he says something very beautiful. I'm, 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 I'm not going to read more from inside, but I want to show you something. He says something about the general build of the two brachas before Kriyashma. So we're going to look into it more in detail, but what's the general, if one were trying, in a very general, generalized way, what is the first bracha before Kriyashma talking about, and what is the second bracha before Kriyashma talking about? Again, in a super general way. The first bracha is two pages long, and the second bracha is a full page long. What's the central theme of the first bracha before Kriyashma? Is really the avoda of the malachim. It's about the angels. About the angels saying kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. And there's different types of angels that are discussed here. And they're talking about Hashem's greatness and how far removed Hashem is. It's all about the greatness of the angels and their, their, their great love and... and, and um, and nullification to Hashem and the, the tefillah that they say to Hashem. In a very generalized way, the first bracha before Kriyashma is the tefillah of the angels. The second bracha starts with how much Hashem loves us, the people. Avas olam ahavtanu, the tremendous love that Hashem has for us and what He gives us and what we're asking for Him to give us more. So, again, in a very generalized way, the two brachas of Kriyashma are saying the following. The first one is saying how great and awesome Hashem is. That all the heavenly and celestial angels and spheres are all just um, nullifying themselves to Hashem and trying to connect and realizing Hashem is beyond them and greater than them and holier and holier and holier. And then the second bracha zooms down and says, but where is Hashem? Where did Hashem invest His love, His interest, His involvement in us, plain physical people? So He has... These, these myriads of angels of all the worlds who are all just davening and trying to connect and trying to something. But Hashem says, see you all later. And he zooms down and avas he connects to us. And he connects to us and he loves us and he cares for us. And that's what the second bracha is all about. And this concept, says the Alter Rebbe, is the basic recipe to awaken our love for Hashem. When we realize the awesome nature of Hashem and the awesome nature of His creations and how all of His awesome creations are all praising and trying to connect and realizing Hashem is beyond and above. 
And yet Hashem decides to, to invest his, his love and his energy and his involvement in us simple people. That automatically, the more we think about that, will trigger or will awaken our love to Hashem. Because the more we understand how much Hashem loves us and, so to speak, gives away for us and says, I'm not, I don't need this, I don't need that, I just want my own children, that awakens the love that we have back to Hashem. And that's something that the Rebbe describes a lot in chapter 26, uh, 46, a little bit beforehand, how when we realize he, he brings the metaphor of the great king who shows tremendous love for the simpleton and the lowly person, how much reciprocal love that will call out from the lowly person. And that's what's going on in the brachas of Kriyashma, that we're talking about the awesome nature of Hashem and the awesome creations, and yet his love for the simple individual, and all of that is the lead up into Shema Yisrael. That's, what they to, that's the basic idea he explains there in chapter 49 of Tanya. I, yes. I once heard that on um, when you said Avas alone that you should ask Hashem for Rahmanis. Yeah. Well, let's talk about there. Yeah. But like to just to specifically ask. Don't you I'm not sure about exactly what you're referring to, but we do we say that in in so many words. If you look in Avas Olam on the fifth line of, of Avas Avas Olam is the second bracha. Forty page forty five. The third line from the top of page forty five. Again, the Yerushalayim is not going to be 45. 41. A few, a few lines into Avasolam. What do we say? Avinu of harachaman. Our merciful, hamirachim, the merciful one. Rachim no'alinu harachamanasana. So it's very clearly there. Probably nowhere else in Davening is it as clear and as, as you know, simple and clear. We're asking Hashem to invoke the Rachmanos. I'm assuming that's where whatever you heard is coming from that idea because that says that clearly over there in the beginning of Avasolam. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Why, why couldn't they just say all these things, okay, the leader, and then just have the bracha, you know, say bracha, now we're going to say Krishna, and have, get the same impact. That's a good question. What is, why isn't there an actual baracha to Hashem on Kriyashna? Yeah, and you don't need, you could have just said all this stuff, get that same, you know, that Hashem's about to love him, and then he comes down, and really he wants the attachment to us. Could you have this, like, the the lead up to a bracha. Yeah. So that's a good question, and I don't know the answer. Uh, what I would suggest is a bracha is very powerful. It's not only about a nice idea to think about. When we say it in a bracha form, that actually strengthens it. So it's not just like, let's discuss a nice concept, and then we'll go ahead and do a bracha and do the mitzvah. When this is made as part of the bracha, you know, the word bracha actually in Hebrew, aside from blessing, also means to draw down Every bracha we do, we're drawing down the strength from Hashem to be able to accomplish what this bracha is about. So by putting all this into the bracha, it's not only a good you know, exercise of thinking, it actually gets the power, the koach of a bracha as well. Perhaps that's the answer to that question. Is this the only place where brachas are so long like this? Interestingly, there's one other place where brachas are more than just barachat Hashem, and that's by another extremely central thing that we do. And that's the Birchas HaTorah, which we made in the morning at the end of the brachas. We're again, suddenly three brachas. Not as long as this, but it's not just Baruch HaTashem, we're going to go learn Torah. There's Vaharivna, there's Yivarechecha, there's... And, and just like Kriyashma, Torah is like this very central thing that we're going to be doing all the time. So the Chazal put more into those brachas. It wasn't just Baruch it was There was more there in preparing for the mitzvah that we're going to do. But aside from that, brachas are typically just a bracha on something. It's also, there's a different way because it comes in silently at the end. You don't say amen. That's because we don't want to have any hefsik. Because this is a bracha that's supposed to lead directly into it. So it's like a bracha that almost becomes part of it. And that's interesting. That's different than other brachas as well. That's a good point. Right? The, end, the end of the second bracha before Kriyashma, if you're in Shul, you'll notice the chazan will just not say it loud because we don't say amen, we go straight from the bracha into the Kriyashma, which is very connected to this idea that we're saying that these brachas are just a direct lead into, into what Kriyashma is all about. Okay, having said that, let's look at a couple of points in this actual first bracha, some interesting points to look into. Um, we start, page 42, Baruch HaTashem Lekinim HaLacholam Yotzer Or He forms light Borich Oshech creates dark Interestingly, just an interesting tidbit. 
um, is brought in books of early halacha, that the reason that they instituted right away to say a bracha of the one who forms light and dark, it was to dispel or to clearly dispel in our davening the opinion of many in other early religions that there's a different God for light and a different God for dark. Right? There's light, there's dark, there's goodness, there's badness, there's good, there's evil. And in different religions, I believe until today, though I'm no expert on religions, that there is like bad powers and good powers. Now, we also talk about Kedusha and Klippa, but we're very, very, we make very sure to always make clear that both of them come from the same place. That yes, there is impurity in the world, and yes, there's holiness in the world, but we don't believe that impurity has its own source, and holiness has its own source, and God is in charge of the holiness department, and someone else of the impurity department. We don't believe in that. Right? I, I, you know, I told you before about the, uh, the guy who sent his child, the guy is totally not religious, and he wanted his child to have a good math program, so he sent him to a, um, to a math program, and it turned out the best math program in town was in a Christian school. So he sent him to a Christian school. You know, what does he care? Kid comes home, and after a little while, he starts talking about a holy trinity, and three powers, and the mother, and the spirit, and this, and the hands. And the, now, now the father is getting nervous. He says, you know, he calls on the son, he says, he says, Michael, he says, he says, this is nonsense. There's only one God, and we don't believe in him. <laughs> but, but there's no three gods. That's ridiculous. Right. No, we don't. We don't believe in them. But there's only one that we don't believe in. Not three. That's marriage. So, so we're, we know that there's one God, and that's why right in the beginning of these brachas, Kriyashma say light and dark. Which light and dark is much more than light and dark. It's good and bad. It's power and this. It comes from the same place. So that that says this is actually says in form of halach. But there's a very interesting concept in Chassidus that I want to discuss here. Yotzer or he forms light and creates darkness. Now, light and dark will always say which is higher, which is greater. Light, I'm typically speaking, light is light, bright and dark is dark. But if you look closely at the words, he uses the word yotzer for light and bore for dark. Yotzer is to form, bore is to create. But let's think about our spiritual worlds for a moment that I mentioned earlier. Creation is higher than formation. However you cut it, it's always going to be higher. In fact, we said earlier that we are now beginning which section of davening? The third, which corresponds to which world? Creation. Bria. That's what we're beginning right now. right? So those who have the siddha that says the worlds is now going to say Sharha Bria. This is the gate into Bria. So right when we're talking about Sharha Bria, we put Bria with darkness. That's insulting. <laughs> I mean, like, why, why, why would it be that the lower world is called the world of light and the higher world is the world of darkness. This is not the type of question you might typically think when you're reading the davening, but if you're trying to understand, and the way, especially Hasidus-oriented, Kabbalah-oriented, how is Yotzer, which is Yetzirah, formation light and body darkness? So there's the simple answer and there's a deeper answer. I want to get, I want to say them both quickly, they're not, they're not difficult. The simple answer is, that the higher something is, the more concealed it is from us. General concept. Um, when, when something is lower, that means it's more able for us to be able to appreciate it and understand it. So, simple example is if you have this brilliant teacher, great genius who teaches you know, the highest levels of college, and comes in and gives a class for second grade. Right? So the kid's thinking this guy's nuts. No, nothing makes any sense. It's gibberish, right? So it's just darkness. Really, why is it darkness? They don't understand. Because it's so high. Because it's too much for them, so it's dark. And this is a point that's made in Hasidus many times. And I don't want to get into the subject, but this is how Hasidus explains the concept of Gamzula Tova. That when things feel dark and hard and difficult and painful, so Valtrebbe talks about this in Tanya very much, and he says... Hashem is good. Hashem only, He loves us and cares for us and only wants to give us good. The problem is sometimes the goodness is coming from a place in Hashem that's too good for us to handle, to us to appreciate. So it feels painful. So we're, we're second graders sitting in a great class. So it's just painful. So Hashem, why are you hurting me? So it's, it is painful. And when it's painful, we're meant to call out to Hashem and ask for Hashem that we shouldn't have pain. 
clearly. But at the same time, we know in our heart and in our Muna that it's not Hashem being that nice. It's Hashem connecting to me from a deeper part of Himself, one that because of its greatness and awesomeness is for me right now difficult to appreciate, to understand, and perhaps one day I will appreciate it. Perhaps I won't. But that's how we look at difficulty. It's from a greater place. It's a place that's too difficult for me to handle. So that's the meaning of that the lower world, which is Yotzer, is Or. It's more revealed. It's something that's more, um, something that we, we can handle and enjoy and experience more. Whereas Bore, which is the higher world, is Chosha. So really, as we're coming into the section of davening that's a higher level, we say this is a level that's a little bit beyond us. That's one explanation. But there's an even deeper explanation, which is the following. Not only is a higher world called a world of darkness because it's harder for us to appreciate, there's something else. The higher the world is, the closer it is to its source, the closer it is to Hashem. The closer something is to its source, the less, the, the more bottle it's going to, going to become, the more nullified it's going to be to its Less differentiated? I don't mean differentiated, the less expressive it's going to be. Take for example, let, let's say a simple example. You have a, um, a student who's teaching. So the student is teaching in a classroom, teaching, so the student is expressive and teaching and everything. What happens when that student comes to that to their teacher. Suddenly that student is not expressive and teaching and something. The student is quiet. Why is the student quiet? Because the teacher's in a higher level. Because the student came to a place that's much higher than them. So right now the student just loses that expressiveness and teaching. So here the student is the whole macher. And then by the teacher, suddenly the student is bottled. Take a take a, a shliach who's in the town and he's speaking and, is, and he comes to the rebel. Oh, he's quiet, doesn't say a word. I thought this was such an expressive and teaching and person. Yeah, he is. But not when they come back to their source. Everything, when they come closer to their source, becomes less an, ex an expressive and teacher and luminary. They're smaller and smaller. But not smaller negatively, smaller positively. In a humbleness. In a humbleness, exactly. And now they're actually, when they come back, they're going to be even greater. The moon comes closer and closer to the sun, less and less and less light. And then it comes back out and suddenly it shines. Then it goes back to its source and it gets small. And that's the story of everyone and everything. All of us are mashpia and mekabah. Every person at some times is called on to be a teacher, a leader, a role model, an inspirer. I know there's no such word probably. But then there's times when if it's someone... called inspiration. It's an inspiration. Okay, and, and then, but there are times when everyone has to come back and receive. And when you're on the receiving end, if you're teaching while you're receiving, that's no good. If you're busy expressing while you're back in the place where you should be receiving, that's no good either. So one has to know when to be quiet and receive and not be the big, and when, on the other hand, to come out and teach and give over. That's Yotzer Oroboreh Choshech. In Yitzira, when it's on a lower level, it's or, it's giving off of itself. When it's Bori, when it's Bria, then it's actually Choshech, there's nothing going on. It's dark, it's not giving, it's only receiving. So darkness doesn't always mean that I'm lacking something. Darkness means I'm receiving. I'm dark because right now I'm too busy receiving to actually be a giver. And only when one knows how to receive properly can they give. If one doesn't really know how to receive, they'll never give. Right? There are people who are just very good givers, but not good receivers. So then they're ultimately not the best givers either. Because if you don't have the bittle to receive in a really humble way, then really you're not constantly being infused with new kayak to give. That's the story of the moon. So you get depleted, and then you can't keep it. Right, you finished. I'm done. I'm done. So I have to be able to go back and not be a giver and be a receiver, and then I can give. I had a, I had a, I had a great mashpia. One of the, um, one of the great, the great people that I met in my life was a chassid that I'm sure many of you have heard of. All of yours, his name is Rimendel Futterfass. Um, he was the elder chassid. He passed away 
a year after the Rebbe, 1995. So when I learned in Kfar Chabad, I had the tremendous zuchus um, of becoming quite close to my brother's house a lot. So, and he had his way, he was the best at giving a message. You know, he knew how to give a message when a person had to hear a message, but he didn't do it like, he didn't tell you off. He said, let me tell you a story. <laughs> that was his way of, of passing on. The, his best messages that I got was, let, let me tell you a story. So at that point, and I shouldn't be talking Lashon Hara, but I have to say a little bit Lashon Hara about myself. He, he felt I was talking too much. Nothing changes, right? So I was just, and he said, he said, you know, you have to learn just to listen. Listen, you know, listen. She said, you know what, let me tell you a story. Let me, listen to let me tell you a story. Said, okay. So he says, he says, in fact, it's a story in relation to your grandfather, he told me. Doesn't mean my little grandfather, it means, I, 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 you may have heard one of the great um, tzaddikim who lived about 250 years ago was Rabbi Yonis and Eibshitz. He was the Rav of Prague. So he is my mother's great, 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 great grandfather. She says, I'll tell you a story about your great grandfather. She says, there was one time an event in a city. And in that city, there was two rabbis in the city. And there was the Hasidic rabbi, and there was the non-Hasidic rabbi. And this particular case, this Hasidic rabbi was a very humble man. Very, you know, he didn't carry the mantle of leadership or whatever, whatever. And the other rabbi was more the speaker, and the, always whenever there was an event, he was speaking and he was running. He says, one time there was an event, a mitzvah, whatever it was. And this other rabbi is talking, and he says, and he starts saying a story about Rabbi Yonis and Aishas. And the Hasidic rabbi is sitting by a table, and he like says to the guy next to him, this story never happened. Okay, now this is getting tough. So one person tells the next person, and people are what? One rabbi accused the other rabbi of lying. What's going on over here? And it became, you know, the politics in the town. There was a lot of talking the next morning in Shul. So a few people came to the house of the Hasidic rabbi, and they said, Rabbi, we heard that you said that that story that the other rabbi said never happened. Do you know all the stories about Rabbi Yonis and Abishitz to know that this story never happened? So he says, no, actually, I don't know many stories about Rabbi Yonis and Abishitz at all. So he says, so how do you know that this story never happened? So he says, well, I'll tell you. How does the other rabbi know the story? He's not the age of Rabbi Yonis and passed away many years ago. So he couldn't, have, he couldn't have been there. So how does he know the story? The only way he could possibly know the story is he heard if he heard it from someone. But he's always speaking. He's never listening. <laughs> <laughs> so how could he have heard it? So the remember said, I just wanted to tell you that story. Remember. Oh, <laughs> but remember, if you want to hear, if you want to have what to say, you have to listen. And if you listen, then you'll be able to speak. That's Yitzhar. He says, in the world of Bria, which is closer to its source, it has the bitl, the chayshach. It's not then giving off of itself. Okay, one more idea. Do we have time for one more idea? Okay, one more idea. Yotzer Or, he formed light. Ubari Chosha creates darkness. Osei Shalom creates peace. Ubari Yisakol and creates everything. Interesting. Hashem forms light, creates darkness, makes peace, and creates everything. What are these four steps? Light, dark, peace, everything. What's going on? What's the deeper story behind the story here? So let me tell you, I say, let me make a long mimer short. <laughs> this really, it says in Chassidus, is a short, a very shortened story of the whole basic form of creation. Why is that? Initially, the, Ari, the Arizal writes, Arizal, initially, when Hashem came to create the world, there was a big problem. What was the basic problem? This world was flooded with the infinite light of Hashem. And when the infinite light of Hashem is revealed, there's no place for anything else. Because everything is sort of just lost in that. Hashem is the source of everything. Nothing can really exist when Hashem is there, like this flooding existence. So therefore, what was the first step that Hashem had to do in order to create the ability to have a world? Excellent is the Tzimtzum, which the Arizal talks about profusely and throughout Hasidus. Tzimtzum literally means to contract. He took that infinite light of Hashem has sort of contracted it and, so to speak, moved it to a side. Sort of made a place. The, the, way, the, Zohar, the way the Arizal actually talks about it, it almost sounds like, like he pushed it all aside and made a place where there could be a world. It doesn't mean physically, obviously. But that's how he describes it. He says he pushed it to the side. So now the infinite light is on the outside perimeter and inside there's a, he calls it 
המקום חלל לעמידה סעולמוס. A hollow area, a place where the infinite light of Hashem is not being felt, in order that there can be creation. That was number one. Okay, done. Now what? So what? Hashem is just going to make a world and Hashem stays out? What's the point? The point is a world that should have Hashem in it, right? So into that hollow place, Hashem shines a, what's called in Kabbalah, the Kav, which literally means a line of light. That line of light is coming from the infinite light that's on the outside perimeter. Right, so, uh, is there no, there's no video of this or anything? I'm sure. I, I think they call the light rail the cub too, don't they? Yes. Okay. They well, now you know where they got it. So, so Hashem, so Hashem creates this, this vacuum of light. And then He shines His light. And now, there's a world, and there is the ability for godliness to come into the world. The godliness that's going to come into the world is a lower level of godliness, or is that the infinite light? So the, the ultimate game plan is that that infinite light should come back into this world, but differently than it was before. Before it was there in a way that the world couldn't exist. Right? Let's think about it. Before there was the infinite light everywhere. What, what's the ultimate game plan? There should be a world in which the infinite light does coexist. So in order for that to be, there's got to be steps. You've got to remove the infinite light. Create a place where there can be a world and then start shining the infinite light in in a way that ultimately that infinite light can get into every detail of the world so that the initial infinite light is there, but now in a world that's there. That's the trick. Because the infinite light and the world were opposites. So through these steps, ultimately, at the end of the game plan, there's going to be a world with an infinite light together. So let's see this. That's really this, this bracha. Yotzer Or. Initially, there was just Or. Just the, the infinite light of Hashem was shown. And that was everything. But Hashem said, that's no good. Borei Choshech. Tzimtzum. He created a situation of darkness. He removed that infinite light, creating a vacuum, so to speak, so that there should be a world. But now what? Now he has to create a type of light that should actually be able to coexist with the world. That there should be a world and the infinite light should be able to shine into it. What's that called? That's, I know, but here in the passage, that's Shalom. Osei Shalom. After he had the infinite light and removed it, then he created a deeper power called Shalom, the ability. Shalom is Why bringing is together called, opposites. Why is that called because Shalom is bringing together opposites. That there should be an existence and Hashem's infinite light should be able to coexist. That's Shalom. Then Borei Sakol. So now we can have everything created. Now that we have the ability of creating the true Shalom, of bringing Hashem into every detail of creation, then Borei Sakol, he went ahead and created everything because now there is already the recipe that ultimately within everything that he will create, there is the ability of, of revealing and bringing that infinite light in through the Torah mitzvahs that we do and through our avodah of bringing, drawing down that infinite light, that when Mashiach will come, we'll be able to coexist totally, a full world with the full infinite light of Hashem, which is the concept of Dira B'Tachonim, that Hashem will actually dwell fully and in a revealed way in the world as we know it, which merits Hashem, we should merit very, very soon together. And we'll continue next week in Merit Hashem. Thank you. That's very, very cool. Yeah. 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 Yeah.